Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effects on the markets. This podcast is for educational purposes and should not be taken as investment advice. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you're prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now onto the podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Dylan Holman and joining me is seasoned trader Henry Ward who has over 10 years experience in the markets. Hello everyone. The podcast has a simple format which we'll see us talking about the top three financial stories in the news. This week we're looking at big banks. We've got Wells Fargo, Citibank and Goldman Sachs. First things first though, Henry, how have you found the week? Yeah, the, well, the week's been pretty good. We've had a uh, uh, last two or three days of dollar strengths across the market, which means then we had gold, which was dropping dropping like a, like a ship going down, taking on water. We then had the likes of a Bitcoin, which just went above the 40K mark and then dropped the whole way down to 30,000. So I don't know whether, Dylan, if you remember us talking about the 30K mark on, uh, on the last webinar. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It looks like all our listeners uh, just jumped back in at the 30K and then it popped back up to about 37,000. So it's one of those psychological levels because it's not, it's, not it's not a level where we've seen uh, an all-time high because it, it just massively smashed through it. But these psychological levels, so Bitcoin was sitting on the 20K mark. We then have the, the likes of it come back to then to the 30K mark. We have the likes of gold, which went to the 2000 mark. So round numbers are, are massive for traders. They're all psychological logical levels and we continuously trade off them over and over also because of what happened in 2017 with bitcoin i think a lot of people were getting a little bit nervous when it was up around the 40,000 mark that there was going to be another pullback and how big that pullback was going to be and while other people on the other side of the fence were thinking ah i missed my opportunity to buy (laughs) and so when it does dip then i want to jump in and so that's kind of what we've seen so did you did you buy any at uh, 40,000 dylan I actually sold a little bit at 40,000, just a little bit. It was up around 40,000. I thought people would get scared and that's basically what happened. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So I hit the 40k mark slightly above it and then came the whole back down to 30. Now, the question is, is is it now going to react there or is it going to go the whole way down to the 20k mark and then hit, hit the resistance or support, which was at the previous resistance? And that's that's now the question. Well, and also a huge question. Um, you know, <laughs> some people would think that there's enough people waiting in the wings to invest again, that it's not going to hit the sort of the 20,000 mark again, while others think that it, it increased increased in value too quickly and so it'll go all the way back down so we'll just kind of have to sit tight with that anyway let's move on to topic one then which is wells fargo they are one of the big four u.s banks which um, along with the likes of bank of america city group who we're actually going to talk about in a little bit and jp morgan chase are considered the big four i presume we've talked about banks before and how they've really struggled in these um, recent times that wells fargo also part of that list of having a poor 2020 yeah, so m- most of these banks have had a pretty pretty dismal 2020, being hit really, really badly. Why? Because people are not spending money anymore. People are, are not taking out loans. People are not taking out mortgage. They're being let off. There's no money coming in. Can't sell any products to people. It's been a pretty dire year for the likes of the likes of Wells Fargo. So for instance, most people or most companies had a, had a low of, of March for the coronavirus. 
But Wells Fargo was the same and had, it had a massive drop down to the, the to March levels. And then I had the normal correction when the stimulus package came into the US market. And then from there, it had a little, little pop up and then it continually slowly but surely depreciated down to a new low, which was mid-October. So it didn't, it didn't do very, very well over that period of time. Yeah, they're an interesting company, actually. Um, they used to be kind of one of Warren Buffett's favorites, didn't they? Where Absolutely. he had a lot of his Berkshire Hathaway investments within Wells Fargo. But then I think it was about five years ago, they had a number of problems where they got basically done for fraud. They also had some bad debts. And so they really were struggling until quite recently when a new CEO called Charlie Schaaf came in. Um, and he seems to have steered the ship back in the right direction. Yes, I, I don't know where anyone has ever seen the, the Netflix documentary Dirty Money. So they, they've had a whole documentary on Netflix because of it. But we have had a little bit of a correction since mid-October. But up to there, and why we've, why we've had that correction going down the whole way till, till October is that there was a 61% in the EPS, so the earnings per share in the period, same period as last year. Now, that means that the consensus that was done on Wall Street, it means it was down 47% on the consensus. So it means that things haven't, haven't done well over that period of time. And yes, Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett's investment firm, have 3.3% of the stock still. But if we look at, a, at what they've done, is Berkshire Hathaway were the biggest uh, investors in it, whereas now it's now Vanguard. So they haven't, they haven't done very well up to, up to the likes of mid-October. There's a couple different reasons. One, the EP. Yes, their earnings haven't been good. Obviously, then you have the likes of uh, investors pulling their money out. So it hasn't, it hasn't been a good Q3 for them. Yeah, that's quite a drop in um, shares, isn't it? That Berkshire Hathaway did going from 323 million to 136 million. Um, so Wells Fargo actually had their earnings announcement, which will be before um, the markets open on Friday. And so what are people's consensus of how the stock's going to perform? So yeah, it hasn't been all doom and gloom. So since mid-October, we've seen a jump on the stock price to go from $20 to, to $30, which is a 60% jump in the stock price since October. Now, it wasn't all doom and gloom from the Q3 earnings report. Is that they did have a better than expected net revenue, which the revenue was actually $18.9 billion, which was a little bit better than expected. Even though their earnings per share had dropped, their net revenue had gone up. So it seems like they're slowly but surely steadying the ship. Now, like you say, the earnings report, so most of these banks are, have an earnings report coming out. Now, if we look at the consensus, we expect the earnings to be up a little bit more than they were in the Q3 with, with the likes of Wells Fargo. And Wells Fargo is one of these companies that they're one of the biggest banks in the world, and they probably will start become profitable and start getting better quarter on quarter. But it is a little bit down the line. This is, this is, this is not a fast play. This is one that you would buy and hold on to it for the next six months, a year, 18 months before you would jump out of it. Looking at a lot of other analysts' opinions, it's certainly in their top 10 or top 20 stocks to look out for in 2021. So yeah, worth keeping an eye on how they perform when their earnings reports do come out this Friday. Okay, well, let's move on to topic two then, which is Citibank. So another one of the big four banks, and they have a lot of global exposure, a little bit different to Wells Fargo, which is very US-centric. Citibank are in a lot of countries. And so has this had any impact on how they've dealt with the pandemic? Yeah, the Citibank have fared much better than the likes of Wells Fargo. So in fact, um, it had the low in, in March, the same as the same as most companies across the market. And we've seen a jump from the initial low uh, of $32 
to where the, the stock hitting, where it, it went up again from there. So it didn't, it didn't actually hit that low again. We, we've seen it then sort of tread water. And then we've, in the last two months, we've seen another jump as well. Whereas this, we've seen that on Wells Fargo as well. But the, the thing about it is that it didn't retest or it didn't actually make a lower low from the lower marks where the likes of Wells Fargo has. And that's one, and one of the big reasons is because it has its global arm, whereas not all countries have been as badly affected as the US with the likes of the pandemic. So looking at Wells Fargo and Citibank, um, you mentioned that they both jumped over the last two months, but why would that be? It's all down to earnings. So that we saw with Wells Fargo, it, it, it had a better net revenue of 18.9 million, which is, is better than the, the, the 18.9 billion, sorry, which was better than expected. And Citibank, uh, Citibank has jumped from $40 to $65, which is a 60% jump. So both these cases have jumped since the 1st of November. Now, one of the things is that you have the, the vaccine, which was, which was announced that it had a, a 90% success rate at that time. Also, then you've had the earnings. Their earnings were a little bit better than expected because nobody was expecting the Q3 in the banks to be, to be profitable. And, and Citibank have done just fair better. And that's why we've had a jump of 60% in the Q4 so far. So we're in a time where thankfully the mass rollout of the vaccine looks like it's happening and it's all going well. And so things are now looking positive for the banks? Well, you, you can put it all down to the likes of, likes of the vaccine, but it, it's a helping hand. It's, it's, we can attribute the, the, the drop to the coronavirus. So it is also definitely a helping hand. But Citibank have had a bit of a reshuffle. And at, top, uh, at the top, CEO Mike Corbett has stepped down in February. Now, Jane Fraser, who is now taking over president of the Citibank, she is someone who is, is stepping up. So she's going to be the first female CEO of the likes of Citibank or any of the big four banks so it's a pretty prestigious event there and also all eyes will be will be on ours so yes we have the likes of the stock which is is nicely rising yes they have done pretty well over the last couple of months and but the earnings report is going to be huge but also on top of that people will want to see how jane gets on with taking over from mike so it's what, something... what's the norm for when a new ceo comes into a big company like this you know with the share price is is there kind of an initial excitement which will see positivity on the share price or is it kind of oh wait there's big change and so there's a reluctance to invest in a share like this as traders we always look at sentiment so it literally comes down to what the the sentiment is if we look at this as someone who knows what they're doing they're they're have a really really good track record absolutely as traders we will jump in on that and say yes whereas we have if we have a ceo that has a little bit of a shady background we're not sure then the markets will take a little bit of a nosedive people will jump out of the market till they wait for one quarter till they've actually implemented some of their stuff so it, it, it can be it depends on the sentiments on how people uh, assess jane and moving on to topic three, it's Goldman Sachs. So like all the other banks that we've just discussed, they've had a, a difficult 2020, but Goldman is considered a different type of stock to City and Wells Fargo. So, so why is that? Yeah, now they had an initial drop in March, like almost every company in the world. So they, they hit the low of $131. Then they had the initial jump from the bailout and then they started treading water sideways. And then from the 1st of November, they jumped from $185 a stock up to now, which is $290 a stock, which is pretty big jump by anyone's standards. Wow. And that's also their all-time high, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They they have they have literally smashed it out of park. So and why why it had such a jump in November again is because of the earnings report. So and um, the earnings here come out and it was amazing. So their earnings from Q three okay was up ninety three percent to three point six billion. That is not too huge, shabby. That is a huge huge jump. And anyone anyone who jumped in there, it's gone from one hundred eighty five dollars up to one hundred ninety eight. So that's that about an eighty percent eighty percent rise there in your stock price, seventy to eighty, which is is really good. So the three main reasons for this jump is Goldman Sachs asset management unit is up seventy one percent, and the customer and wealth management grew by thirteen percent. And then the global market business grew by 29%. So their three main revenue streams all were up double digits, which is phenomenal for a bank, say. We've talked about the growth of Goldman Sachs over these last couple of months. Does that mean that we think, you know, now they've hit an all-time high, that it's unlikely that they'll keep improving? Or with the fourth quarter results on the horizon, it's definitely worth looking into them as an option? Yep. The thing, the thing about this is that we have to, we have to dig a little bit deeper. Okay. So we have to dig a little bit deeper and look into, look into what's happened. So as we know, Goldman Sachs Q3 earnings has jumped by 93%. Now, no one on the street expects that to happen again. Okay. But once we look around, so I've looked into some analysts, their reports, stuff like that, and I'm doing a little bit of research. And on average from the analysts, they've worked out, they expect their earnings per share to be 7.11 per share. Now, I know that's just a random number I've given out to you guys, <laughs> and uh, but if we look at this time last year, the earnings per share was 4.69, so that's about an 80% jump in their earnings per share again. Now, yes, Goldman Sachs is at an all-time high. I would love to see it come back to a level, and the level I'd like to see it come back to is 274 before the 19th, before the announcement has happened, and if it comes back to there, that is the resistance or the support level that it previously was resistance. We, we have a dividend on this. It looks like it's going to be a good earnings report on this as well. Yeah, and, and the future for this at the present moment looks very, very rosy. And what's your opinion of the banking sector as a whole? Is it something that you're continuously looking at or is, are you looking at newer technologies instead? It is something that it has sort of brought my attention to. And so I'm looking at the likes of JP Morgan as well. They've had a pretty good year. They're not quite at um, all-time highs. So it is something that has now popped up on my radar. It's pretty new to us because um, generally we're looking at the likes of Barclays, we're looking at the likes of HSBC, stuff like that there. And they've done atrocious over this time. Whereas the likes of these American firms, the likes of the ones that trade that have management assets under management, they have done extremely well. So it is pretty new to my radar, but it is something that now I am looking to jump into. Great. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. Do you think there's anything else that people should be keeping an eye on? Look, at the present moment, is US dollar. Absolutely. We have the, the inauguration going on. Uh, is, is the dollar going to continue getting stronger? So we've had three or four days of that. Yes, we had awful non-farm payroll news, which we would have expected it to continue weakness. But then we have the inauguration going on. So we may have a little bit of dollar strength over the next week because of that. And then when that happens... Is it going to continue with this weakness again? Why? Because the only thing that's happened is that there's a new president after stepping in. So look, time will tell. And that's, that's the big one for me is looking at this. And also we have earning season. After the 15th, we have most of the tech companies will be, uh, we're in the middle of earning season. So that there is, is now a free for all. 
you will have a lot of people jumping in the day before earnings, expecting good earnings, and then jump out the day of the earnings. So it's it's you will have a lot of people doing that. And if you are good luck, because that that's a bit of a lottery. Um, the idea is wait for technical levels, and then if they come back to technical levels, then jump in and trade them. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's podcast. If you want to learn more about the markets, then you can go on to Henry's weekly webinar, which you can find via Google by typing in the Toro Trading School. Apart from that, we will speak to you next week. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.